the ideas, the leaders, the lives that are shaping Denmark and the world. From Blocks Hub in Copenhagen, Denmark, this is Global Denmark. Okay, so what do Oscar-winning films, sustainable furniture, and ostomy bags have in common? Mike and Calhave can tell you. She's the director of Creative Denmark, and she's working to export Denmark's unique creative DNA to the world. But how do you sell something as abstract as creativity, and what makes Danish creativity so unique anyway? We sat down with Mike to learn more. Mike welcome. Thank you so much. You are the director of Creative Denmark? I am. What is Creative Denmark? Yeah, it's a good question, and a lot of, a lot of people ask me that, actually. Um, Creative Denmark is a public-private partnership established to kind of promote uh, Danish creative strongholds internationally. That's the short version. Um, but there's quite a long story behind it, because it's quite a unique establishment between the government and some of the big business organizations in Denmark. So um, if we go a few years back, uh, the Danish government decided to put down this growth panel within the creative industries. uh, And the task was to look at the growth potential within the creative industries. They could see that uh, there was a huge potential, but they didn't know how to go about it. How could they, uh, from a governmental side, support the creative industries to have the same growth rates as they saw in other parts of society and in in, in industries? Um, So they sat down this growth panel uh, consisting of different uh, stakeholders, companies, uh, academia within the creative industries, also artists, and uh, they had like a very broad specter of people. And um, the task was to come up with recommendations to push forward the the creative industries in Denmark. And uh, they came up with uh, a few recommendations which was, for example, the need for venture capital within the creative industries. It was the need for further uh, public-private collaboration. And it was uh, the need for uh, pushing forward the, the exposure of uh, the creative industries internationally. So if I understand it right, um, essentially, Creative Denmark is about pushing Danish creativity to the rest of the world. Yeah, you can say that and foster relations to kind of also uh, qualify the Danish creative sectors so that we can learn from abroad and pull it in as knowledge in Denmark. And if we take a half step back, uh, there's some semantics in this. When we talk about the creative industry, creativity, I think that'd be a good place to start our discussion today. What are we talking about? Are we talking about artists? Are we talking about architects? Are we, what is the creative industry? What is that all about? I get your question because it, when you look at the word creativity, it's kind of abstract. What does it cover? And in uh, Creative Denmark, creativity covers the creative industries. So it's businesses and uh, it's from a business perspective. And in that way, we do not cover artists or galleries or theater and stuff like that. It's, it's core business. That being, for example, architecture, design, furniture, music, movies, uh, video games. 
those kind of uh, industries. Those are the ones that we are working with. You said before that a lot of the mission is to export this creative potential internationally. What are some of the uh, major export uh, countries that we export Danish creativity to? Uh, Germany is a big one uh, within fashion, within architecture and within design, for example. Also music, actually. Uh, the Norwegian country uh, and uh, Scandinavia in, in total. So Sweden and uh, Norway and uh, Finland are big countries, but also actually the U.S. within fashion, within music, within uh, video games and, uh, and uh, also architecture and design. So how does that process go about in terms of selling Creative Denmark to the United States or Germany or one of the Nordic countries? Do you contact them and say, hey, we're creative, we have these great solutions? Or is this something that's known out in these markets that, hey, we want to get a hold of Denmark for these ideas? In some countries or in some markets, uh, I think Denmark are uh, known as a very design-driven country. Um, we are known for our furniture classic, the whole Danish modern movement back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, we are known for architecture uh, because there has been, over time, a lot of huge architects in Denmark. Um, and I think we are also known for kind of niche fashion. Um, so the big, the bit on the outside kind of fashion, uh, the Scandinavian style, mm. I think we are known for, at least in, in uh, the markets around Denmark. So this is about more than selling Danish design. I mean, Danish design has a lot of wind in its sails and has for many, many years. Mm. Uh, it's pretty renowned all over the world. This is about more than that. Definitely, yes. It's about looking into uh, broaden the perspective of Danish creativity and saying, hey, we have a lot of uh, very, very talented furniture uh, designers mm. in Denmark. But design is not only furniture. It's everything that you can think of in designing our societies, in design thinking, in, in uh, everywhere, actually, where you look at the broader companies in, in other industries, how they go about uh, designing their products. It, that's actually also creativity and design-driven. You mentioned the word there, design thinking. Mm. And uh, we, we've spoken to Christian Basin about this concept, but maybe for our audience you could... Put it in your words, what design thinking means to you and why it's important for this. Design thinking for me is about uh, looking at perspectives and possibilities that you would not be able to, to look at if you do not have that method of investigating things from different perspectives. Um, that could be in cross-disciplinary partnerships, for example, that you uh, attack a challenge. That could be uh, sustainability or that could be digitalization. Mm -hmm. And when you go design-driven or uh, to that challenge, you will be able to in discover maybe new ways of uh, solution, new ways of, um, how do you say that? Solve the challenges, for example. Yeah. Um, you only attack it from one perspective. So design thinking is about a method basically. And if we look at that method, I mean, design thinking as a process is not a Danish thing. No, for that's sure something not. that came from the United States. But there must be something particularly Danish about that or a Danish layer. What is that? 
Just to, to make it clear, I kind of cover not only design, but all perspectives of creativity, you know, all the, the different creati creative uh, strongholds or creative industries. So I think if you should talk about a creative DNA, that might be more up my lane than just focusing down on what design thinking is. The process itself. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So if you kind of want to discover what the Danish creative uh, DNA is, I think that's more interesting. I do. <laughs> what well, is that? and that's maybe and that's maybe the X factor in all this, isn't it? The Danish creative DNA that goes into the design thinking process. Exactly. I, mean, well, I like that sounding creative DNA. Yeah, it's kind of the core in how we all, we in Denmark also work with design thinking. And for me, the Danish creative DNA, uh, and that's not only me. I have to say, we've made this huge analysis with. Uh, pretty much all the ecosystem around the creative industries in Denmark. And some of the things that we identified is that the Danish creative in, uh, DNA kind of reflects on the Danish values, societal values. So things like trust uh, and being trust-driven is a huge factor when you look at the Danish creative DNA. Um, It, it has this uh, low power distance. Some might call, those, might call us a bit naive in Denmark, but that's also a stronghold if you look at uh, agility and uh, innovative processes. So trust-based is a, is a huge thing in it. Yeah, we hear that time and time again, the, the importance of trust in the Danish society, and you experience it you know, when you're on the ground, uh, especially as um, an outsider coming in for the first time. You know, just simple things like seeing babies left alone to, you know, just uh, all the way up to the tax system and the, the basic level of trust in the institutions. It's amazing, actually. It is, and it covers pretty much every topic that we've had. We've had guests in that have talked about leadership, that have talked about the coronavirus, that have talked about the dem democratic system in Denmark. And this whole topic of trust just seems to be the... The common thread through all of it. It's the nucleus, yeah. I think. Right? Yeah, so interesting. And there are, there are probably some other... Um, cultural values that go into this. Another thing is the, the whole uh, concept of making value for all. Denmark is very focused on not only serving the top 1% of society, but actually in the way that we attack urban design or uh, societal development. It's about creating value for the most people. And this is also like a core value in the Danish creative industry that we should make value or an impact for as many people as possible when we do a solution or a product. Yeah, and the low power distance there really helps that, right? You don't have those layers that have to, you can really be more agile there. The thing that's difficult about all this, though, is that it, it is very much cultural. It is. And so how do you export something that is so cultural? It's hard to export cultural values. Is that realistic? I think it is because it's not about exporting the values. It's about exporting a way to go about it, a method. And then we're back to the design thinking part. And I think a good example could be that 10 years ago, Copenhagen experienced this huge, massive 100-year uh, storm in the center of Copenhagen, flooding pretty much everywhere around central Copenhagen. And uh, one of the areas called Israel's Place in Copenhagen was heavily flooded, uh, destroying thousands of buildings, basements, uh, companies. Was and that uh, 10 years ago? It's 10 years Jesus. ago now, yeah. 
the city of Copenhagen decided to to uh, say, okay, we have to uh, implement this climate adaptation plan now. How do we go about it? Who do we put in front of the table? And the Here they decided to have this very inclusive process where they invited in both architects, urban designers, engineers, but also citizens, academia, and so forth, to look at how can we recreational area in the middle of Copenhagen serving the needs of the citizens, securing further social cohesion in the city, etc. And they made the square, which is beautiful now, in the middle of Copenhagen with skateboard lanes which is basically a water reservoir but can be used for skating uh, basketball lanes trees uh, sitting areas etc and this model uh, just a year after the the whole uh, flooding of Copenhagen we saw hurricane sandy in new york mm. which was a massive catastrophe when new york started to looking at the climate adaptation plan for lower manhattan especially they invited in this danish architect called bjarke ingels um and he pretty much had the same uh, method of going about designing the whole big u which is uh, the project is called on lower manhattan for the uh, municipality of new york So in that way, they kind of exported the whole model of thinking uh, in partnerships and thinking in challenge-driven methods. And that's a way of exporting the Danish creative DNA, I think. And I think these examples like this, they real, then it really starts to become clear what it is that you're working on. Are there other examples? There are many other examples. Another example could be we have this huge medical company in Denmark called Kuluplast. And they are uh, they make uh, medical devices, uh, for example, within ostomy, ostomy bags and stuff like that. Colostomy is that the colostomy bag? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's called that. Okay, colostomy. I don't, bags. I don't know the official term. Yeah, I don't know the official term. Ostomy we know what you mean. We know yeah, what you mean. Okay, good, good. Yes, yes. I have the bag, but I don't know the term. <laughs> we know. We know what you mean. We don't have oh, the bag. Oh, it's good, good. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. You want to draw, draw a picture? Ask me too. Yes. yes. <laughs> Can you explain it a little more? <laughs> in a little more detail. We know what you're talking about. Oh, it's good. Okay. We know what coloplast makes, and they're very good at what they do. They are very, very good, and they are very, very design driven in their approach to to making these uh, products and services all revolving around the human needs and they have this method where they go very cross disciplinary to the job invite in all kind of different sectors to secure again the 360 per- perspective on making these products that should enable or qualify the quality of life for these uh, sick people and they actually due to this human driven or user driven approach that they have they have a global market share of 40% within their area, which is amazing. So that's also a good way of thinking creativity, not only in the core of the creative industries, but actually as a driver within the society at large or businesses at large. Uh, We hear that Denmark's a knowledge-based economy. What percentage are we talking about here in terms of exporting and knowledge? How, How crucial is this to the Danish state? It's a bit difficult to say because we do not measure creativity when we look at for example the example that i just uh, explained on coloplast this is not measured within the creative industries that's measured in export within the healthcare sector yeah. so it's difficult to say what kind of economy okay. there is uh, solely within the creative industry but we have this 
figure called 305 billion in yeah. revenue annually within the core creative industries and approximately a third of that is exports okay and that's quite a huge amount relatively to the Danish economy, not uh, when you look at U.S. or other countries. But no, it's pretty substantial. How else are you measured in terms of how do you measure success? Um, there's the 350 billion figure, but are there other things that you use to measure how it's going in terms of exporting creativity? I think that's pretty much the core economy that you can measure that on. But there is another aspect of it that is awareness uh, about how do people perceive Denmark? Do they see us as a front runner within the creative industries? And that kind of awareness can create uh, export possibilities in the long term. So for me in Creative Denmark, it's not about being measured on the core economy of exports in Denmark. Because I mean, if I make a, a collaboration with Danish companies on helping them in their international promotion, now fostering relations, that could come to an order in five years. If you look at, for example, architects or designers, it takes time. So for me, it's more about creating awareness, fostering relations that can exchange knowledge both ways, actually, so that we also secure that we attract talents, we attract investments that can help our uh, different industries to grow and that we work in a context where we do not only look at the Danish perspective but incorporate the global perspectives in the way that we attack creative solutions. Are you getting the most out of your time in Denmark? Pick up the printed copy of the English language newspaper Copenhagen Post today to access relevant news and event information guaranteed to enhance your working and family life. Mike, and you've said that there are a lot of Danish companies whose products take that extra step or go the extra mile to incorporate things like sustainability or some other element of creativity. Um, can you give some examples? Yes, for sure. Um, for example, within the furniture business um, or interior design, we just talked about earlier that Denmark is very well known for its Danish furniture design. We've been that for decades. But there is a new wave of designers in Denmark who thinks very sustainable, who thinks very uh, holistical about their ways of uh, designing these products. Um, the Danish modern were famous for its aesthetics, but also functionality and that you were able to mass produce these kind of furniture that were handcrafted just years before. And now you look into a whole movement of designers that look very much into this uh, design to disassembly, that you can actually create furniture that have this aesthetic value that are very functional in their way that can last for decades so that you actually make an investment when you buy a piece of furniture but at the same time it's reusable you can uh, pull it apart use each part of the chair again replace it if it's broken and that you can uh, flat pack it and send it so that you also in the value chain kind of lower the co2 emissions and a great example of that and that transparency about that whole process is a Danish furniture company called Takt. They're amazing. You should look at their Takt. furniture. Yeah, Takt. T-A-K-T? Exactly. They're so talented and amazing in their whole mindset about creating new furniture. Is that a big challenge? Or what are you hearing in this industry making it both 
functional and aesthetic and sustainable. I mean, is that last element tricky and or is it something that can be navigated here? It has been tricky before because you kind of thought about it afterwards. Afterwards, So you started out by designing your chair, wanted it to be functional, and then you thought, oh, well, I have to make it sustainable. But now it's all the other way around that you actually from the start think, yeah. I want to make this sustainable. And then it has to be beautiful and it has to be functional and yeah. I want to be able to pull it apart. We hear that in all industries now that sustainability has to be at the core of the DNA, right? Not we're going to have profitability and then we'll make a nice CSR uh, approach after. No, it has to be in the core DNA of the products and services. Yeah, exactly. And it's not only sustainability. It's also they think the whole UN development goals into it. So it's also about all the other stuff that you can kind of read into the the whole process of making yeah, and then you merge onto the wider brand of the un development goals that that doesn't that doesn't hurt no it doesn't it doesn't and it's also there are plenty of examples also within the fashion industry and it's quite hard to talk about sustainability within fashion because we consume it because it's not sustainable it's not sustainable if you want to be sustainable just don't buy new clothes right so it's about making the clothes as sustainable as possible and be very transparent in your ways of designing clothes i think that's also very important so it sounds like a key element in if you want to say selling creativity to the world is to put it into context not only think in terms of markets, but also to think in terms of these themes. And sustainability must be number one on the list. Creativity is what's going to help reach these sustainable development goals. Just yesterday we heard from the United States that they have big ambitions now, finally, for 2030. Here in Denmark, there's also pretty big ambitions about increasing sustainability. The only way to do that, or well, there's many ways, but one big way to do that is to reduce this use and throw away culture. And that's where the Danish creativity can come in. Is that how I hear the story? Exactly. You nailed it, Brian. That's exactly how I think Danish creativity. You should see Danish creativity as an enabler, as a driving force towards change and towards impact, because that's where the whole innovation process lies uh, and enabling thinking in processes, products in new ways, born sustainable, born digital, instead of just trying to make existing products digital afterwards. It's not going to work. So, Mike, how does Creative Denmark work? You know, the nuts and bolts, how do you sell creativity? Do you do this through... um, trade shows? Do you go directly to companies? How does it work? I think a good question to answer before I go into that question would be how we are built up as a public-private partnership, because that's kind of the core of how we do business. As I said before, we are a public-private partnership and not for profit. So we are not out there to make any kind of profit when we do collaborations. And our founding fathers are three different ministries in Denmark. The first one and biggest one is the industrial business and financial affairs, the ministry of that. And then we have the foreign affairs and then we have the ministry of culture in Denmark. So we are pretty much represented 
all over on the governmental side. On the private side, we have these two major business organizations, which are all commercial. And they are the Confederation of Danish Industries and the Danish Chamber of Commerce. And then we have this big philanthropical fund called Real Dania, who works with promoting sustainability within the built environment. And this setup kind of reflects what we are set up to do. We are both set up to, to do this nation branding creating global awareness about the Danish strongholds. But we are also set up to kind of create core value for the companies within the creative industries. And that kind of reflects how we work in Creative Denmark because we have both activities looking into creating awareness. That could be digital campaigns. It could be trade shows together with Crown Princess of Denmark or the ministers from the different ministries that we represent. So kind of this nation branding, uh, Danish pavilions at big trade shows all around the world. An example could be uh, South by Southwest just a month ago, where we went and had this digital but national pavilion for Denmark and the Danish creative industries. So that's one part of our business uh, to, to do this awareness, creating awareness. Another thing is about fostering relations and that's more on the commercial side because this is about connecting Danish professionals within the creative industries to uh, decision makers globally that are interested in employing creativity in their solutions or products or value chains somehow. In that way, we kind of go directly to partners internationally that we work together with in setting up roundtables or dialogues or webinars uh, to kind of make that matchmaking. Are there sister organizations in these other countries that, um, that you contact or do you, do you go right to the ministers in these other countries or... No, we go right to the ministers or, for example, sister organizations to the Confederation of Danish Industries. So we go uh, business to business like. And then we obviously also, but that's more on the awareness part, uh, go to influencers or global medias and work together with them. The public-private partnership model, it seems to be popular in Denmark right now. Why do you think that is? Because it gives you the holistical approach and the more 360-degree perspective of things. And I think if we want to actually make change and make impact, we cannot do it from a core commercial side if you look into the broader perspective. Obviously, you can if you're a company. But you see a huge amount of private companies going into partnerships with governmental institutions, with academia, uh, to secure this holistical approach to their ways of doing business as well. Now, these innovation hubs that we have in Silicon Valley or in Singapore or Shanghai, are they with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs or is that? Yes, they are. Okay, so so you can kind of map on to these type of organizations too that are placed out in the world? We work very closely yeah. with them on different events and different uh, themes or perspectives. It could be making white papers on a certain theme, for example, design thinking, or driven by creativity in somehow. The question that a lot of people might ask is, anywhere that there's government funding, you face the risk of becoming a political tennis ball. Mm. How do you avoid that? Because we have the private side along with us, there is simply no room for working politically in our job because we have the private side. And the same goes for the commercial side. We cannot take a single commercial interest 
into our business because we have the public side with us. And that gives us that neutral platform, which is uh, central if you want to go out and actually collaborate with international partners because we can go into it and say, we do not want to sell you anything. We do not want to push forward a political agenda, but we want to make you aware of some strongholds that can help you in pushing forward your solution, your society, your company. That's a beautiful place to be, man. Yeah, it is great. It is. Uh, you know, are you funded by membership at all? No. So there's so no no member can become the big dog in the house and say, hey, no. we want you to promote our company. They can sponsor from a CSR perspective if they want to, but that would not give them like a, a lead in the uh, things that we would promote. Is there anything unique about doing what you're doing, particularly unique about this worldwide or globally? Do you see other nations trying to do the same kind of thing? Or is this something that maybe Denmark can teach the world? Actually, I haven't seen anything alike anywhere else in the world. I have seen creative hubs, but that would be from a solely commercial or solely governmental place that they are funded. I haven't seen these kind of public-private partnerships. And Denmark has done these since actually 2008 where they established the first public-private partnership in this marketing consortium. And that was up to the COP15, which was held in Copenhagen in 2009. They created this public-private partnership that should support the both commercial interests, but also the whole sustainable agenda during the COP15 in Copenhagen. And they're still there. So we have like four or five different marketing consortiums mm. that work exactly like mm. Creative Denmark, but within different industries. You do have a lot of wind in your sails, but there must also be challenges for the Danish creative industries. For sure, especially now. And what are those? I mean, yeah, COVID is challenging everybody, but are there things that particularly are challenging for the Danish creative industries uh, in terms of exporting everything that Denmark can do. There is, because the creative industries are more tactile products and services, and that's very hard to sell through only digital channels. And when you cannot go out to the markets, when you cannot kind of buy in new stakeholders, it, it's difficult to make new business. For example, the Danish musicians who haven't played concerts in one year now, and that's like their main income to go out to all kinds of markets and have concerts at festivals and stuff. So it's very, very difficult to convert that into a digital channel and make people pay for 15 or 20 or one hour concert on Facebook or something like that. So it is difficult and it's difficult to kind of show that the partnership model where you can pull in creative forces, creative drivers into your business in Germany or other places can be quite difficult to kind of overwin that that model and say, okay, let's try to see if we can uh, have new thoughts in uh, through a Danish designer or a Danish architect. You can see then how the pandemic uniquely affects you guys because of the tactileness of uh, what you're exporting. Mike, and if we're standing here in five years and having our follow-up podcast, what do you hope to achieve within those five years? What does a big win look like for you guys? That would be a lot of visitors to Denmark looking for creative 
industries looking for creative solutions, that people actually are convinced that they should come here and experience the whole city of Copenhagen, the whole Denmark, the vibe, and actually buy into the creative industries. So that would be a huge win for me. It would be a huge win if we could look at the creative industries in Denmark also and see them collaborating more and having cross-disciplinary collaborations in order to make this international approach stronger for them. Studying for an executive MBA at Henley Business School in Denmark is an intense and rewarding experience. If you want to achieve the best possible outcomes in business and in life, Henley can give you the skills and knowledge you need through the Henley MBA. For more information, visit henley.dk. Mike, and, um, what what can the world learn from Denmark, in your opinion? What can uh, Denmark learn from the world around us? Oh, there is a lot of things that we could learn from other <laughs> countries. But you only get to choose one. Okay, um, let me start by what the world can learn from Denmark then. I think, again, I've talked a lot about it, but the holistical approach that we actually work very much out from a, a perspective that where we incorporate different disciplines, different uh, both uh, in terms of public-private, but also different companies and work together, that we do not see it as a competition, that we can actually work together with other companies in a collaborative partnership uh, in order to develop our own products. I think the whole thing about that is so unique about Denmark and then the trust issue. I know it's difficult to kind of learn other people to be trustful, but if we could kind of export that value, I think that would, on so many levels, be a good thing for other countries uh, to, to look towards Denmark. And if we should look at what Denmark could learn from other countries, and I only can choose one, I think it, it's about being a bit more open-minded towards new things, maybe especially in our private lives. We are a very conservative people. And uh, for example, the way that we do not invite foreigners into our homes. It's so private for us. I think that we could definitely learn from other countries is to be open to chat with each other on the bus or whatever. It's interesting because, you know, Denmark is uh, considered a pretty creative country and it doesn't seem to square those two things, you know, being conservative and being no. closed, but at the same time being creative. Usually when you think creative, you think open and open to new ideas. And so maybe it could also help creativity in Denmark in general. For sure, for sure. That was our talk with Mike and Calhave, Director of Creative Denmark. If you want to learn more about Creative Denmark, check out their website at creativedenmark.com. This is the Global Denmark Podcast, where our focus is on lessons to and from Denmark for a better world. I'm Brian Woodward, and for me and my co-host Thomas Mulhern and our production assistant, Anna Larsina, thanks for listening.